Welcome to our daily devotions, coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Throughout these summer months with uh, folks on, away on vacation and Pastor Lori on sabbatical, there will be days like today when it works best for us to play for you a, a golden oldie from our depository of devotions. So we hope you find this message as timely as when it was first offered and that it becomes for you a way to reflect upon the timelessness of God's Word. So let us now prepare our hearts and minds by listening to some beautiful music. The Gospel reading for today, May 16th, is the same scripture passage that was assigned for Ash Wednesday of this year. It happened on March 2nd. So if you go to the Watch tab from our website and you scroll to about page 6, you will find that service. There you can hear a nice meditation on Matthew 6 from three different voices, Sarah, Connor, and myself. We talk about how we can try to not be like the hypocrites in the ways we give our alms or in the way we pray or in the way we fast. Since we preached on this text just a couple of months ago, I chose to write my devotion on the second reading. This scripture passage comes from Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, which had been under Roman rule for over two centuries. This letter at, that we know as 1 Thessalonians was written around 51 CE, making it the earliest Christian writing. It's kind of interesting to think of 1 Thessalonians being written even before the Gospels. It's a short book, and I would encourage and invite you to read it if you get a chance. Today's scripture passage comes from chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Hear the word of God. The Apostle Paul writes, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, 
so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, speak to us through your word, through my words, and through our hearts and experience. We are listening. Amen. Jesus died, rose from the dead, and promised to return, bringing a new heaven and a new earth. The people in the church of Thessalonica were expecting Jesus to return again soon, to return actually in their lifetime. Here we are 2,000 years later, still waiting. Because the resurrection and Jesus' words were fresh on their minds, Thessalonians became concerned about their friends and family in the church who had already died. Paul offers a lovely pastoral response that I often recite in memorial services. We do not grieve as others do who have no hope, which is true, but we still must grieve our losses. In 2014, Maria Shriver wrote that we live in a culture that doesn't know how to grieve, a society that wants us to get back to normal as soon as possible. We're expected to go back to work immediately, keep moving to get on with our lives. But it doesn't work that way. We need time to move through the pain of loss, as well as an understanding that grief is as unique to each of us as our very own fingerprints. Before I was born, my mom and dad had two sons. My oldest brother, Jeff, was about two years old when James David was born. When Jimmy was still under a year old, he suddenly and unexpectedly died while napping at my aunt's house. They called it crib death, which of course today we call SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. My dad sobbed at the funeral of his son. My mom never shed a tear. In fact, she couldn't cry for a full year. When the tears finally started to come, the people around her didn't know what to do with her pain. They said careless things like, why are you crying? You should be over this by now. I don't know why it took my mom so long to feel and express her pain, but I do know that we don't ever get over the death of a loved one. A woman named Mirabai Starr has suffered many losses in her life, including that of her 14-year-old daughter, Jenny. Mirabai wrote these words, there is no map for the landscape of loss, no established itinerary, 
no cosmic checklist where each item ticked off gets you closer to success. You cannot succeed in mourning your loved ones. You cannot fail, nor is grief a malady like the flu. You will not get over it. You will only come to integrate your loss. The death of a beloved is an amputation. You find a new center of gravity, but the limb does not grow back. It turns out that grief really is a gift. You see, any unresolved pain that we have always makes itself known. And like a petulant child demands our attention, often in inconvenient places. It's important to understand, I think, that grief is the healing process of the heart, mind, and soul. Grief is the path that returns us to wholeness, which most likely takes on a new shape after the loss. Richard Rohr reminds us that death cannot be dealt with, cannot be dealt with through quick answers, religious platitudes, or a stiff upper lip. Grief is not a process that can be rushed, but must be allowed to happen over time and in its own time. Yes, and we do not grieve as others do who have no hope. There's no doubt about it. The loss is real for people of faith. The pain is real. The grief is real. And yet we have our faith family we have the presence of God and, of course, the hope of eternal life when God will unite us all together again. Our grief is tinged with hope for the future. I want to close with a, a prayer written by Ted Loder called, I Teeter on the Brink of Endings. And it goes like this, O God of Endings, you promise to be with me always, even to the end of time. Move with me now in these occasions of last things, of shivering vulnerabilities and letting go, letting go of parents gone, past gone, friends going, old self growing, letting go of children grown, needs outgrown, prejudices ingrown, illusions overgrown, letting go of swollen grudges and shrunken loves. Be with me in my end of things, my letting go of dead things, dead ways, dead words, dead self. I hold so tightly, defend so blindly, fear losing so frenetically. I teeter on the brink of endings, some anticipated, some resisted, some inevitable, some surprising, most painful. And the mystery of them quiets me to awe. In silence, Lord, I feel now the curious blend of grief and gladness in me over the endings that the ticking and whirling of things brings. And I listen for your leading to help me faithfully move on through the fear of my time to let go so the timeless may take hold of me. Amen.